Goodness, folks, it is episode 18 of my bloody podcast. <laughs> and I'm just so happy we're barely legal right now. We can vote, we can drink, we can smoke. Oh, actually, we cannot drink. In some parts of the world, we can, but oh my God, it just feels so good to be alive on our 18th episode because we have a doozy tonight. Um, I'm Brian Kluger. We are my bloody podcast on iTunes in Stitcher Radio. And holy Moses, do we have a great group of hosts today. Joining me is Sir Who's It's What's It's all the way in Houston, Texas. <laughs> oh my God, that's me. <laughs> <laughs> it is Cole. J. Cole Clay. Hey. He's here. Hello. Hello. I'm here. I'm here. I'm ready. I'm spooked out. My apartment's really dark and... I, uh, I'm, I'm really hyped. I'm hyped about this movie. I love this movie so much, not to spoil too much, but it's a really old movie. I think 15 years old now. So I, I'm just super excited to talk about it. It's I am too. I'm glad. And like beforehand, when he said it was super dark in his apartment, I saw Cole, he did a little video chat with me, you know, nothing, nothing too sexual, but off I the record. See, yeah. Off the record. <laughs> yeah, I could just see the outline of like his glasses. So it looked like one of those like movies where you could just see the eyes and then complete darkness. I was like, what's happening in there? My mind wandered and it got greasy strangler. Like, I don't know, but, <laughs> but we, I was surrounded by ghoulies. By ghoulies, yes, yes, by ghoulies, one, two, and three. Uh, Yes, we also have another amazing, fantastic, very, you know, he's he's, he's sort of dirty. He's he's in North Texas. He's, uh, what's his nuts? Um, Fuck, I don't remember his name. (laughs) Is it it Preston? Thank you, thank you. Is it it Barta, comma, Preston, or just Preston Barta? It's prestige worldwide. <laughs> it's it's, Bre- it's Breston Parda. <laughs> Breston yeah, Parda. Actually, I like Breston. that. And Breston we, Parda. And, and we are the three amigos on this 18th episode where we'll, we, we will be discussing in a steel cage match, but I think we're all friendly <laughs> in this match. Oh my God, Freddy versus Jason from 2003. I'm so excited about this and I can't wait to talk about it. Later on in the episode, and of course, we all have the bloody recommendations. We have our bloody question that we hope you all enjoy. And of course, news. But I'm just so excited. But uh, Preston, what news do we have to start us out on our 18th Barely Legal episode? Mm, the best news is perhaps the second wave of fantastic uh... The best news of the year. Yes, the, yeah. it, it's the most wonderful time of the year. Fantastic Fest, Austin, Texas, September twentieth. Second wave has been announced. We've talked about it on this podcast before, and I think I do believe some of our predictions were right. I do believe. I still believe. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
so Cole, what uh, what what movie are you most excited about that was announced in this second wave? Um, you know, I think I'm probably going to go something a little uh, off the beaten path. Uh, the one that really caught my eye is something. I mean, clearly it's Halloween, um, but the big one that I think that's going to be kind of a nice surprise is going to be Donnie Brook. That one is really interesting to me uh, with Frank Grillo and Jamie Bell. And I really like Jamie Bell. He's, he's like really a versatile guy. He can play like a nice uh, leading man as well. And he, I really enjoyed his performance in Kong and uh, in in Peter Jackson's King Kong. Um, so he's like a prize fighter in this one, bare knuckles, which is something I, I think is inherently cinematic and perfect for Fantastic Fest um, in a lot of ways. Because I, I think the really cool thing is you can watch something that's really low, but great at the same time. But then there's also some slightly elevated stuff, and that's what I'm hoping with this one. Um, and I'm going to cheat and just say one more that I think is off the path is Dogman, uh, Matteo Garone. It's like an Italian. I'm a dog lover, big time. Uh, this guy directed Gamora, and uh, it's playing at TIFF. It's just going to be an interesting movie about uh, class and violent neighborhoods and a dog and a guy. And if you've seen The Drop, that kind of had a little bit of that, and it was with Tom Hardy, and that was awesome. So, you know, aside from these, I love seeing these, uh, these films like that. Um, but um, there's a lot of stuff. I hope I didn't. You know, so no, no, yeah, I'm excited. In like the the movie Donnie Brook, I didn't know what a Donnie Brook was until last year when I saw this uh, Canadian comedy television show called Letterkenny, and it's like it's Donnie Brook oh, means yeah. like a fight. Uh, and like, yeah. you guys want a Donnie Brook? And uh, when I saw that title, it's like oh <laughs> shit, it's like a it's a fight movie. So That's I was a nice local. <laughs> yeah, no, that was good. Uh, but yeah, no, I'm looking forward to those movies too. Preston, um, what movies hold and pique your interest? Uh, there's three that caught my eye outside of like the, the big heavy hitters like Halloween and Hold the Dark. Um, I guess we should mention that Halloween's going to be the opening night film. What? What? So that's exciting. With Jamie Lee Curtis is going to be there. So. Yeah. Uh, the one, cool. I guess at the top is this movie called Bloodline and it stars Sean William Scott. Who will be there? And so. What? Yes. Oh my God. Yep. That is awesome. That is incredible. So it's, uh, it's, it's, uh, another thriller from, uh, Blumhouse Productions. So that also has me even more excited. And what's cool about it is that it's about, uh, he, his name is Sean William Scott plays this guy named Evan who supposedly kills people uh, if they, if their family values do not match his own. And so, he, <laughs> <laughs> so he has like a, a baby boy, which coincides with life and a loving wife. And he keeps, it's like Mr. Brooks style where he kind of like keeps oh this information away from his family. And so he leaves a, he lives a very secret life, uh, working at a, um, like some kind of mental institution, I think, or something like that. Um, Oh, he's a social worker for troubled teens. So yeah. And he had, he violently tortures and kills those who, uh, lack in any whole 
wholesome family values. So it just seems like a, a fun, good time, especially with oh, That sounds great. That sounds so great. And then another one is called Chain for Life. Uh, if you have seen Under the Skin, you may remember the deformed face guy that's in the film. Um, he's in this movie, and it's about it's like a movie within a movie. But the movie that's happened within this movie is a horror film. And so the whole, the film is just like this examination of those who have physical differences and how it's portrayed in horror films or in films in general. So it just seems like a nice kind of um, examination of a world that we don't know too much about just getting an idea of what it's like to kind of be on a horror set, but also be because the people that are kind of called to be weird looking creatures or half bodied people, they're, they're a lot of them are deformed people. And so this is kind of like shedding some light on what it's like to be those people to kind of come on set and be a part of this and what, what that does to them emotionally. So it seems like a pretty neat, uh, I guess a different kind of film to go see at fantastic fest, but still kind of fits within that horror bracket. And then the last one is called open. It's called what? 24 hours. And this works well with open 24 hours. Okay. Yeah. Um, and it works well with what we're talking about today. Hey, Freddy versus Jason, because one of the actors that's in the film is in this. I can't remember what his name is, is in Freddy versus Jason, but he's the, the friend of Jason Ritter in the film. Oh yeah. That guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> the, the redhead. Yeah. The redhead. Yeah. So uh, this one is about a woman who had previously set her serial killer boyfriend on fire and is now seeking normalcy by getting a job working at a working the overnight shift at a 24-hour convenience store. Thing. So it just seems like uh, like a hangout film where things just go wrong, and I like those kind of films so. Seems like a good time. Cool. No, I'm excited for most of these. You, one that I'm super excited for, which probably is no surprise to any of you, is a movie called Climax, <laughs> directed by Gaspar No, who gave us such great films such as Irreversible, I Stand Alone, Enter the Void. Uh, I can't wait. This was like a hypersexual, violent musical movie with dance. I can't wait. Holy God. Um, that's going to be there. Um, there's trailer. Yeah. The trailer is amazing. We're going to mm-hmm. talk about the trailer here in a little bit. Um, uh, another one, there's a movie called girls with balls and it's basically yeah. about a woman's volleyball team who like takes a shortcut in their bus and ends up at a local bar with a bunch of like crazy rednecks. And then it, supposedly just shit goes down. So I'm in, hopefully there's just all sorts of, nakedness and violence and blood and all sorts of stuff. I'm in. 
Um, <laughs> and the other one that had me uh, is called Knife Plus Heart, uh, which is a French film. And uh, the log line said, this is a love letter to grindhouse cinema in 70s gay porn. So, and it's about a mass serial killer. And uh, I'm, uh, I'm in. I, I think I'm very much into this movie. Or these three oh, at least. it's a giallo. It's a giallo style. What's that I mean? That Do what? Well, you said it's giallo style. Giallo. I said, I said it's a love letter to European giallo, like uh, like a Suspiria or like, oh, a, you yes. know, like an Argento, a Bava type film. Yes. Um, which can be interesting uh, to say the least. Uh, you never know what you're going to get with those, but you're going to get something memorable. <laughs> to yeah. say the least. So I, I'm excited. It's crazy okay, cool. that Jamie Lee Curtis and Stifler is going to be there. I don't under, I can't oh even God. imagine what's going to happen. <laughs> a final destination and uh, Halloween crossover hit. Yes. In the making. <laughs> yes. Yes. Speaking uh, of crossovers. Uh, what do you guys think about Hold the Dark? Have y'all watched the trailer for it? I have not gotten the chance. Like, I don't really know what to think of it, given it's a Netflix movie, and I'm kind of weary, but I'm all excited at the same time. We didn't say much about it, but I was curious. Um, the the trailer for Hold the Dark, um, that whole movie, I mean, Jeremy Solner has done no wrong yet. Like, I love his movies Blue Ruin and Green Room, and I just... If it's anything like those two movies, I'm just I'm gonna be all over it because I love those two films. It's hopefully is it a huh right? Is it a wolf movie? Yeah. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Okay, so like remember when he used those dogs in Green Room and it was super effective yeah. and creepy? Like, hey, I mean, I'm down. <laughs> you know, like that was really one of the most memorable parts of that movie. So now that I know, it has me a little more excited. There's gonna be somebody in there going. That's, that's interesting to me. I, I don't know. I, I that's with Fantastic Fest and Netflix um, so far, but at the same time, I'm also weary because it's Netflix. So um, I just, I don't know. I just hope the the look and the cinematography can be as good as it was for uh, Blue Ruin and Green Room. So we'll see. I, th- I, I think it will. No, yeah, because yeah. I mean, it's, it looks like the kid does from the trailer. Yeah, no, it looks it looks really good, and you know, just about like you know, children being supposedly eaten by wolves, and then this dude has to go and track one of them down. And you know, you have Alexander Skarsgård and James Badge Dale, who I love. You know, I just think and Jeffrey Wright, <laughs> making Blair, of course, in all of his movies. Yeah. I just think this is going to be a fun movie, and it's, I think it's going to be uh, pretty tough to get to. Uh, get through in the terms of like suspense and seeing some pretty horrific imagery, but I'm very excited for this one. I think it's going to be really cool. Wait. Yeah. Seems uh, like a wait, realistic yeah, version. A realistic version of like the gray. <laughs> Is that what you said? Wolfen. Wolfen. Oh, Wolfen. <laughs> Wolfen. Ah, uh, I haven't seen. Yeah, because it, it seems like it's bringing a lot of uh, Native American uh, thought into. Yes, yes, yes. It is. It is good stuff. Um, but yeah, Fantastic Fest second wave. Oh, oh before oh, oh. we move, before we move on, I oh. wanted to bring up 1990s Deadly Games. 
Okay. If you uh, search this film up on Fantastic Grailer, given the fun kind of films that plays at the Alamo, where they have those, like, midnight VHS films. Like Video Vortex? Yeah, Video Vortex. Hell yeah. So this film... Um, it is a pretty like pretty much like Home Alone, but with Santa Claus. So it has a dimension Santa Claus that is coming to get this kid. He sets up be traps. He dresses up like uh, was that Turbo? Oh, Turbo King, something like that. So he looks. Like fun. Sweet. I love video vortex type stuff. Am I like cutting out a lot? Yeah, you're, 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 it, it, you're a lot of things a are delayed bit. here. Yeah, a little bit. You're cutting out a little bit. Um, so that's why I was trying to figure out like, is he saying turbo kid? Is he saying, what's he saying? Wait, I think we get the, yeah, gist. but I followed, I followed. You followed. Yeah. Okay. All right. Is okay. Everything... You got to provide subtitles then Brian. Okay, I will provide subtitles in the uh, in the in the podcast, <laughs> so we can see them. Uh, but yeah, no that that movie, I that will be fun as well. I think all those types of movies, I think, get a big crowd and audience reaction for sure. So I'll tell I'll tell you what, yeah, there's a bunch of hidden stuff like that. Like, really, one of my favorite screenings, fantastic. Stuff. Ever was when we saw Maniac Cop Two last year, Brian, which was amazing. That was amazing, Maniac Cop Two. That was that such a like, fun Q and A and a great oh screening. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, it was just crazy. So stuff like that is what I'm so excited to see. Like, I, don't get me wrong, I'm so uh, premiere films that are going to be there. Um, but I also uh, really fuck with uh, these video boards, crazy, off the beaten path stuff. Um, pretty well i've i've really kind of grown a taste to it so like i'm stoked for that good now good. that i know it exists yeah I'm, I'm pretty excited myself it is going to be fun and good um well moving on let's talk we brought up climax a little bit ago gaspar no movie uh, i think we all saw the trailer uh are you this movie like it speaks my language i don't know if it does to you but what do you yeah. are you gonna see this do you want to see this hell yes i'm gonna see it. yes Yes, of course. The first chance I get, I want to see this, and then I want to see it again. Yeah, me too. I love Gaspar Noe's movie, and y'all, if y'all haven't seen even it, even if I hate it, I want to see it. Oh no, yeah, of course. Uh, I like Gaspar Noe a lot, um, and my first introduction to him was Irreversible, and I saw I Stand Alone, and then Enter the Void, uh, and then a few others after that. But yeah, no, I, this this just looks like it looks like what Step It Up with a musical and. Gaspar knows <laughs> um, secretions all over that. <laughs> I mean, I think like, oh my goodness! Yeah, it looks like it looks like uh, Moulin Rouge meets. I... Did you, I, I? I missed you. Cut out right there. You said Moulin Rouge meets what? I said I said Moulin Rouge meets Eyes Wide Shut. Okay, 
Yeah, no, it, it, it's you're you're right because you don't know exactly what's happening in the trailer, and just it seems like oh, it's going to be a dance and a musical, no. but then and then it goes crazy. So I I don't know what to think about this. I do not know. I've only seen Enter the Void, uh, film, but I'm very familiar presentation. Okay, yeah, no, you should you should try to find Irreversible and I Stand Alone and see those movies because they are excellent. Here, Irreversible is on um, on Shutter right now. Oh no, check it I out. Look it up because okay. I, I heard I heard you mention it. Yeah, I heard you mention it on uh, one of your podcasts. Yeah, I'm going to look that up. Yeah, and definitely. See what's up. And sure enough, it's on Shutter, everybody. Good deal. And Preston, you're excited for Climax? Mm. Yep. Going to see Climax to the Climax. Hell yes. <laughs> Hopefully the three of us will yeah. see it together and we can have like a triple threat type of <laughs> Climax together in the theater. Well, We'll share some. We'll share some like loaded uh, potato skins or something weird like that. Oh well. my goodness! I'm so extra sour cream. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Oh, it's gonna be so good! I can't wait. I hope they do like fun food things uh, with these movies, such as climate. I can't imagine what they're gonna do, but I'm excited. They should. They they did that. They did that with Raw. They did that with Raw and Rat, too. Rat, that documentary by Morgan Spurlock. Yeah, 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 yeah. They've done that a few times. They gave us a a shot of Fireball when we watched The Guest as well. Like, it's crazy, crazy shit going down. We're calling that probably, I would assume. (laughs) Cream fresh or something. (laughs) All right. Climax trailer. Um, Let's move on to this, this... this news, this this news of a remake of The Grudge, which formerly was a Japanese horror film called Juon, uh, and then there's The Grudge, and you've probably heard me talk about how I didn't like The Grudge very much, but I like Juon. Um, so I guess they're remaking a remake. This is where we're at in the world. Um, so I don't know. What do you guys think? Uh, well. I have a lot of thoughts. When I saw this, um, I was like, no, no, thank you. Bye. And then I clicked on an article and I saw the director was a talented filmmaker who I think is going to be a fantastic fest with uh, movie piercing. I think, I think Nicholas Pett years ago. Okay. Yeah. All that. Uh, Pretty, you know, deliberate. I think it was a foreign language, black and white for sure. But I know that this dude is a, seems like to be a talented filmmaker. And with this movie, Piercing, coming out, and I think that's about getting a wide release. I, I'm not a, a fan of Jay, uh, minus the uh, the Ring movies, at least the American one, for Vinsky one, which may sound a little short sighted. Uh, the Grudge, I mean, I'm down. I want to. what we're doing i'm not going to turn my nose up i have an open mm-hmm. uh, same here i i, I the cast kind of turned me on to it as well they have lynn shea and uh demian oh, nice. the american from hateful eight uh john show 
and uh, Betty uh, Gilpin from uh, Glow, and then William Sadler Hello. and Jackie Weaver. It's a hell of a cast. Death himself. Death himself. Yeah, Death himself. Bogus. <laughs> wow, I didn't know all were in that film. I did not. I just yeah. kind of that's pretty badass. Yeah. Uh, a lot, lot of really good people, and um, I'm actually kind of surprised that there's still like more news coming out about it because you know Cole and I are pretty big fans. They had how they didn't know what the status of the would be in terms of release, and right now, a whole year from now, yeah, and yes. Yeah, so the, the original filmmaker of the Japanese films wanted a producer credit, and uh, like they didn't include him on the credits. Maybe that's has been changed since then, but it was a big uh, uh, it was about to become a big legal thing, and so maybe they settled at this point. Don't know. Hopefully, it comes out soon. I'm down. They can crank these quick, <laughs> like it's easy. <laughs> mm-hmm. We'll see. We'll I'm, see. I'm, 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 I, I didn't like the remake, The Grudge, but it's the it's, one from the Michelle Geller. Yeah, that one. Um, oh, that was so whack. That was so whack. And they made a sequel. I think they made The Grudge too, didn't they? With Sarah Michelle Geller. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I'm. I'm just. Lame. We'll see if this does any justice. But yeah, like they said, the the other. The other who's it's nuts. <laughs> that still cracks me up. Um, there is a hell of a cast here, and they dropped the the in the title. Yes, the, just dropped the the. Um, so yeah, a grudge remake for the, those of you. It's cleaner. Um. <laughs> ah, grudge. Okay, grudge. Remake. I wish. I wish because uh, this grudge. The title grudge is uh, the new name for it, but I. Which is, you know, that one Scream Factory film, or at least I've come across it, never seen it. Thought about just watching it as a bloody recommendation just for the title, but it's just called have, have you seen that? Yes, I have seen that. The Scream Factory film. <laughs> how, do you, how do you spell that? It's S, just like a book. A bunch of S's. Uh, like if they, <laughs> if, if they were going to retitle the grudge, I should just call it. Call it Juon. That's what I think. That's yeah. what I think. All right. Moving on. Um, there's some news about our one of our favorite filmmakers as of recently and then back in the day. M. Night Shyamalan is looking or is set to direct the first episode for an entitled horror series for Apple's, uh, like the computer Apple um, new uh, production company, uh, which I guess so. I really wanted to see Tales from the Crypt from M. Night Shyamalan, and it doesn't look like we're getting that right now. So Hell yeah. maybe, I don't know if this will be it. I doubt it, but I guess Apple's getting into the movie business, and M. Night is going to be a part of that. So I guess that means we have to pay for another service to get original programming. Ah. But at least M. Night's getting work because uh, the last few movies he's done 
damn good, and we're all looking forward mm-hmm. to um, to Mr. Glass for sure. So, do we like this, or do we want him to just make movies, or do you do we want to see him make a TV show? I just like no, movies. <laughs> I, yeah, I want to see more movies from him, but I'm okay with him doing a TV show. I mean, I like it when a big name filmmakers like even uh, no, Favreau is going to be directing at least the first episode of the new live action TV series that's going to be happening um, sometime in the future. So uh, if he's just going to be a part of one episode, that's fine. I'd like to see like what he, he could do in a different me. Hmm. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm... We'll we'll see what he does. And Cole, you excited? Um, not really. I mean, I mean, it's cool. It's, it's awesome. Uh, why aren't you? Why aren't you? That, you know, they're probably going to give him a. Why aren't you? Too I, I don't know. I'm just not really that into. I'm not like at this point in my life, like I'm just not really into TV shows um, a lot because it just takes up a lot of my time in terms of just following it, and then it a and then it comes down art of a lot of recent TV shows. Like I tried to get into Castle Rock and I don't think there's anything wrong with the show. I think it's more of a personal thing um, where I find it hard to act, to get access it um, in terms of getting invested uh, with a film. I just take to it quicker and just give them my schedule. It works better for me. And that's what, what I do is uh, going to weekly movies. But so I would rather just see that, but it's not going to take a whole time. We're not going to hinder anything, but, uh, but I mean, I, I think it's nice to be able to stay fresh, you know, creative juices flowing and make money because that's what it's all about. And I think it's cool that he's getting to play in that, in that field. Well, who knows if it's going to be good or bad. Like we don't know what their field is. He's never done anything. So hopefully uh, they can give him, you know, a lot of creative. You kind of have to with him. Cool. Yeah. Go M night. Expect the M night Shyamalan for an Apple TV series. Uh, moving on, the new The Predator movie, they did, they did not remove the The, is officially rated R yeah, for strong, it. bloody violence. And let's just hope that's, like, evident of the very first original film with Arnold Schwarzenegger, that um, it is going to be just as hardcore, ripping spines out of people's bodies, just like that movie. Uh I'm excited that it's rated R. Thank God it's not fucking PG-13. Oh, horrible. That would be absolutely horrible. I think. Okay. I'm just glad that the studio was like, fine, it's so. rated R. Or at least one of them. Yeah. So, well, is this movie going to... Is anybody going to go see this movie besides... Oh, I'm definitely going to... Does go it matter? <laughs> no, I think this movie's going right. to do well, actually. I hope so. Box office for like uh, previous Predator films, and they're not great, which I was surprised about because the film has the series and the character has had such a lasting pop culture uh, reference. And I'm just curious how this movie got made, you know, other than maybe um, who's the studio? Is it Fox? Is that the studio who does this? Yeah. Shane uh, Black, that's what I want to do. Here's 40 million bucks to go do it, and it'll certainly make that. Um, which is cool. I mean, it's mid-budget best, which is what we want. We want films like this to be made. 
consistently in, in theaters. Puppet, but nobody really cares um, outside of horror communities and horror. Shows. Most people will be repulsed by that. So if this can like actually prove that it can make money, um, then that is going to be a big victory. So I'm just hoping that the film is good because the trailer has not been like up to par like at all, <laughs> in my opinion, to like what they should be. Because I thought the last movie was cool. Predators is cool. I like Predators as well, um, and I thought the first trailer for this one wasn't great, but then that second trailer, I thought to myself, oh, they're doing something right here, and I got excited for it. So now that it's rated R for Strong Bloody Violence, and it's Fred Decker and Shane Black again, I'm, I'm very happy, and let's hope Jacob Tremblay doesn't ruin this movie, which you know most little kids ruin movies. <laughs> He's this- great. He's so good. He's in the Book of Henry. Come on. Black. Yeah, but it's a little kid in a horror film. I don't know. It's, it might be terrible. <laughs> right. So it could be. Uh, I'm hoping not. There's been some good kids in horror. Like Halloween Four was a great kid in a horror film. Oh, the little girl. Pet that... Cemetery. You know, it could happen. <laughs> it, it could. Little Jamie the in the Halloween Four. Spoiler alert. Danny in the show. Red Rum. Uh, good. Exactly. All right. So, you, know, you never know. I think they black the director, so. All right. We'll figure it out. Um, up next, Scream Factory updates. Um, what? We have to mention Brain Scan and The Unborn, which are brand new. I watched Brain Scan again. First time in a very long time since I've seen Brain Scan. Uh, that movie is very it has a really cool vibe to it, it has a really cool like story, but it's just not executed very well. Um and it's great mm-hmm. hearing interviews and reading stuff about the making of that movie because supposedly um what's his name? Uh Edward Furlong uh was such a pain in the ass that the like directors and producers <laughs> say it was like the worst experience. No working with him. Uh, so I thought that was really funny. And he's not, like, that good in the movie. Nobody's really that good in the movie, except for, like, the main evil guy, the trickster, and who's, the like, trickster? a theater. Yeah, he's, like, the a theater actor, and he was, like, badass in it. But it's, like, that early 90s video game, real movie type shit, and uh, it's still fun to watch for nostalgic reasons of, like, holy shit, oh, yeah. like, the big... Um, like the big technology was like a fucking giant tube TV computer screen and the, like all these floppy disks and CD-ROMs. It's like, oh, it's so funny to watch that type of stuff now. And he had Surrey before Surrey. Yeah, he, he could, had, uh, yes. Igor, Igor. Yes. <laughs> I've never seen this movie. I've been really wanting to since it got announced. I've never seen it, but um, I'm a big fan of Lawnmower Man, <laughs> so I think I would like this movie. Yeah, so Lawnmower Man's like deep, 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 like all sorts of like <laughs> philosophical shit and technology. Yeah, this is not. Yeah, this is deep. just. Uh, it, it's good <laughs> enough, but it, it's I mean, it's nostalgic reasons. Uh, and it's it's fun still. It's you a, know, it's fun. It's to a s- renter. It's a renter. You know, if you're a Scream Factory collector, you'll want to own this one for sure. But uh, oh, for all shit. Others... I definitely am. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, it looks crazy. And I, it just seems, for some reason, I've just kind of like, my eye has been focused on seeing that movie and getting that blue ray. I just haven't gotten around to it. But it looks awesome. 
<laughs> no, it's pretty good. And then the Unborn, uh, which is uh, a better than Brain Scan, I think. Um, but yeah, Preston, what what? Tell us about the Unborn. Yeah, uh, so it's pretty much like it's made in the same test tube of the it's it's a live trilogy. Seems like it's of that same twisted looking evil baby thing. Uh except it looks a it looks more looks scarier here than it does that it's a live trilogy. I was on Cole earlier this week that it kinda looks like a Liddy, little Freddy Krueger or a Voldemort. But the basic storyline is that uh, parents or mothers who uh, can't have children, they go to, or they just, mothers just go to, what do they call that? Uh, artificial insemination or whatever it is. Yes. Yeah, um, I got you. So they, they, they put put like uh, these genetically modified baby juice in them and they give birth to very evil scary babies and that's pretty much what the overall thing is and so it kind of goes down similar avenues as the it's alive trilogy in terms of you know kind of feeling affection towards the babies and or affectionate toward the baby and uh, certain family members dying, and uh, it's got James Karen in it. Well, it's got Lisa Kudrow. Living Dead and it's got Lisa Kudrow and Kathy Griffin in it. Mm-hmm. Very young ones, and this is also an early '90s movie too. And it was produced by Roger Corman. Uh, it's <laughs> The Unborn. Yeah, it's on. It's on Screen Factory, and. It doesn't have the. It doesn't have Edward Furlong in it. <laughs> it's just all movies you... about. I was on. I was talking to Preston the other day uh, off the record, and but now I guess it's on the record. And I was saying something like, "Yeah, I really want to see the unborn. I really like movies about fucked up pregnancies or something like that." And it, the way it sounded was just so bad. But just like in that, tra- in those films and that tradition are so horrifying. Um, there's like. Like that, and I saw one stillborn, and you know, it's alive has its moments as well. And inside, you know, it's their inside's a great pregnancy movie. Oh, Proxy, yeah, is another one. Oh God, horrifying body horror, man. It it gets me. I really want to see this because it has uh, the woman Brooke Adam, you know, the body snatchers, uh, the seventy-eight mm-hmm. one, and amazing in that movie so I, would, I really would like to check this one out these are like two really just kick-ass releases in my opinion yeah i agree yeah, i agree um preston and what uh, what other uh stuff was announced from screen factory um uh, i just saw that urban uh legend has a pretty cool cover um did you see it cole the artwork for it i thought i thought i saw it um about a month ago when it was Announced, but I don't know if they changed it. I don't think I saw it. Or it... Did I lose you? The artwork. Oh, there you go. Yeah, I can't even. Here we go. I see it. Oh yeah, they did. They changed it. That's really cool. Yeah. 
it's like a it's like an axe like shattering through a mirror as yeah. well so to signify an urban legend uh, <laughs> or a or a uh, or a dog in a microwave i believe michael rosenbaum's dog mm-hmm. gets put into a microwave yeah um, which is pretty horrifying really honestly it's I, I think it, I'm excited to revisit this one. I mean, Jared Leto, Rebecca Gayhart was in it. Michael Rosenbaum. I don't. I don't. I don't know who else, but that. I like that artwork as well. Very cool movie. Late late '90s horror slasher wave. Very cool stuff. Yeah, it's good. So yeah, that's. Oh, uh, and then there's Feral too. Oh, Feral. Yeah, it's an IFC midnight film. Ooh, nice. Be uh, coming out in October. And it's another uh, zombie film. Um, and it has some people that we would know from other horror films, like It Follows and uh, uh, something else of uh, that kind of thing. That like a recent horror film. It looks like the so. Scout Taylor Compton from the Hallow- Rob Zombie's Halloween. Yeah. <laughs> That's, That's a great film. That is yep. a good one. So yeah, that does come out uh, in October, and looking forward to it. Those I the midnight films are pretty uh, are gambles, right? Yeah, but they're cool. They're cool to collect. They're fun when you get a good one. Yeah. It's always a nice feeling. Mm-hmm. Yep. They feel kind of special in a way. <laughs> Little hidden movies, fun stuff. All right, moving on. A uh, real quick little updated review um, of a really cool movie that's coming out soon called Summer mm-hmm. of 84. This is by, I think, the same people who did Turbo Kid, right? Um, Speaking of, yes, the three people that did Turbo Kid. Yeah, yeah. Summer of 84. Yeah. And it's like kind of like Stranger Things-ish because it has kids trying to solve a mystery about serial killer. But is this is this... As good as Turbo Kid, is this like a good good movie to watch? I would say so. Yeah, I, I would say so as well. I think it. I don't want to speak for Preston, but we talked about this movie because um, we both got to see it last week, and it, it's not. I mean, it, yeah, of course you're going to compare it to Stranger Things, but I think it finds its own footing. Um, a, apart from that, even though it does have that, you know, it's called Summer of '84. Um, and they have Mogwai references in there. So, of course, I had to check to see when Gremlins was released. And, of course, it was June of 84. So I was glad to see they were up to date on their references. But um, the movie exists outside of that. I think it's a good story. Uh, the actors, especially like, the main kid, I-, I don't have his name on me, but he was good. I, I thought he-, he had a really good performance. And the movie goes where you think it's going to go. But um, and, and it, it's flawed in some ways, but it I, it's worth it. It's it's it definitely stands alone as its, on its own as its own movie. Um, but a little long in some spots. Um, but you know, I, I think it's a worthy addition for the to end the summer out. Honestly, it was it was a nice breath of fresh air. Cool. And Preston, do you agree? Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. When me and Cole talked, we, we were break, breaking down some of our problems with it, and there's issues with, uh, or at least my biggest issue was a lot of trust. Uh, the parents were too trusting of their kids because the storyline is very similar to like it uh, in a lot of ways, minus the supernatural element. 
but just the idea of some killer being out there snatching up kids and it's different for it because it's putting like a like a spell in a lot of ways on the town so don't care and this one the kids can go out there and play flashlight tag and walk home in people's yards yeah they can just go hide in people's windows and that's bullshit (laughs) i was like this ain't dennis the menace man right that's so whack and they just kind of make it seem like that's okay there's some tonal issues uh, towards the third act, um, and it has like, of course, like a mini like fourth act sort of thing, J.J. Abrams style, <laughs> like little fourth act yeah. that goes on that that kind of shakes things up that I don't yeah. think the filmmakers were fully prepared to deal with. Um, yeah. But you know, it, it's effective in its own in its own way. It's got some good cinematography, good dark red lighting in some spots. Really good music too from Liz. Yeah, Michaels. good music. Yeah, yeah, it was good music. Good, good, Better good. Better than Stranger Things, in my opinion, if you want yeah. to throw that flag in the sand. <laughs> I oh. did it. Summer of 84. Yeah. yeah, look for look for Summer of 84 if you can find it. Because sure. it, it, it's not yeah. out yet, is it? Uh, it's out in some theaters, but it comes out on VOD this Friday, actually, so the 24th. Cool. Yeah, if you have an Alamo Draft House around you, that's where I saw it. Um, they're maybe playing there or... You're in Dallas, maybe Texas Theater. I don't know. I don't follow that one. But yeah, Alamo. It's at Alamo here, too. Yeah. Cool. Um, well, I think that does it for news, but let's go on to our bloody question on my bloody podcast, episode 18. Uh, Preston, <laughs> what's our bloody question? Uh, so, in honor of Freddie and Jason, who have a lot of great kills in their respective franchises. Yeah. Uh, I thought it'd be a good idea for us to just kind of discuss our all-time favorite movie death scene. Uh, doesn't have to be from Freddy or Jason films, but just in general, what is your favorite movie death scene? Dun, dun, dun. I have an answer. Could I start? Yeah, uh, of course. Yeah. All right, so I'm going to throw it down here. I'm, I'm sitting here talking to you guys, and right in front of me is a movie that's not a horror film, but one of the best movies of all time, in my opinion. And that movie's Drive, okay? I have a Drive poster in front of me right now. Uh, and Drive has a lot of good death scenes. Um, some that are very gory, some that are very passionate, but there's one that's very heartfelt in that movie, and it really breaks my heart every time, and I'm pretty sure Preston knows where I'm going with this. That's when Albert Brooks cuts Brian Cranston wrist and the look in brian cranston's eyes is like so heartbreaking like this is it this is the moment that i'm dead i am no more it is over with my fight is done and like a sense of relief in a certain way that the worst has happened um i can i can get over this and it's pretty heartbreaking and really gory and really fucked up in a lot of ways and given the actors uh, and their status and how great they are as performers uh that to me is like one of my all-time favorites for sure. That's a good one. Do you do you have any more? Because I feel like is there, is there like a couple more that you might have? Oh, of course. Uh, I mean, Rutger Hauer and Blade Runner, of course. I mean, you have to give it. You have to give some cred to that one. And the Tears and Rain line, 
Uh-huh. It's just absolutely, absolutely incredible. And, you know, Marvin from Pulp Fiction is pretty cool. Oh, man, yeah. I shot Marvin in the face. <laughs> I mean, you know, these are the ones that come to my head immediately. I'm looking over at my Blu-ray shelf thinking, um, maybe something from Infinity War, uh, perhaps. All right. All right. That's, <laughs> that's good. Uh, Preston, what about you? All right. I'll do two. Uh, so one, since I kind of go off of a lot of the themes that Cole brought up, you know, cause when I, when I pose this question, you kind of, at least I immediately thought of like, what are the fun death scenes out of horror films? But, but then I think about a lot of those ones that do have some kind of a, a emotional effect on me or is shocking. So the more serious one is from the movie, the departed. Leo shot in the head. Leo DiCaprio. That, that was, was a pretty shocking moment. Yeah, no, I remember that happened. It's like, holy shit. Yeah. Those three shots in the head is like, boom, boom. And again, you're like, boom, holy boom. shit. Yeah. Holy, is it like two or three people get popped? Yeah, it's, just... it, yeah, it's Leo and then Anthony James. Anderson uh-huh. and then James Badgedale. <laughs> yes, and then, James and then about like five minutes and then uh, Matt Damon. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez, and yeah. Martin Matt Martin Sheen Damon. thrown off the building. Yes, that's that true. Whole shit, that was one of the great moments. Uh, hereditary, yeah. good, good shocking moment. Yeah. Um, the more fun one for me, um, y'all brought up The Prophecy, but there's also a movie called Prophecy that came out in 1979 that pretty much. In it minus the man, so it's just this pig bear creature, like a like a bear without its skin on it, and oh uh, with like tusks of a pig. And so this movie, when I was a kid, that would rent all these obscure horror movie titles from my Payless Video store, and I remember just seeing the video on the shelf, and I took it home and watched it, and there was one death scene in that. I can't remember if I brought it up at some point. I know I brought it up uh, in a lot of conversations I've had over the past 10 years uh, being, you know, coming out of uh, being a film student and that sort of thing. Um, But there's a death scene in the film where there are kind of similar to Jason X, you know, where you see Jason kill somebody in a sleeping bag, throwing them against a tree. (laughs) Same. Um, so once there, there's a campfire scene, and the so the person that gets killed here is wearing a sleeping bag that kind of looks like a banana suit, and so when this person's alerted that the bear pig thing is coming, he just shoots up and starts hopping because he can't zip himself out of the bag fast enough. And he gets smacked up against this boulder in the woods and explodes, but doesn't explode (laughs) with blood, explodes with chicken feathers. So we're led to believe that the the sleep sack that he's hopping around in is made of chicken feathers. There you go. So weird. Prophecy. You can actually look up that clip on YouTube. It's... 30 seconds long. So you type in 
prophecy 1979 movie or death scene that's pretty much the top one that'll pop up well yeah i like it um i'll go i got some death scenes one one death scene that comes to mind is the entire movie of the passion of the christ (laughs) (laughs) fantastic death scene all around Yeah, it was. <laughs> did, 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 did when I said that? Did you say, hey, oh, we Jesus. lost half of our followers. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> uh, no, uh, when, you, when, when somebody asks me this question, because I've been asked this before, I always think of a few movies, and one of them is definitely uh, Mufasa and the Lion King, because that was one of like, the first yeah. times I was like, oh, shit, that was sad. Uh, but the other two are funny. Like one that always comes to mind that I like think about weekly that still cracks me up is from the original movie version of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Um, Christy Swanson yeah. starred in, and it's Paul Rubens, Pee Wee Herman's Boner. Death, yes. Who yes. just yep. doesn't die. <laughs> <laughs> He's, well, he does die, but like it's like prolonged and really funny with the stake in his heart. Uh, yeah, he's like kicking his foot against the wall, and he's like, ah, 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 uh, ah. And he's like, during the credits, he's like still doing it. <laughs> yeah, no, it's pretty great. And then the other one is another funny one, but it's, of course, Bill Murray in Zombieland, because goddamn, yeah. that was great. Because <laughs> it was so unexpected, and everybody was just pissed that it happened. But then when they asked him... What regrets do you have? He goes, Garfield, maybe. And that was just so perfect. And then he died. And, oh, so good. Famous last word. So good. So, yeah, th- those are the ones that <laughs> always uh, stick with me uh, for sure. Um, oh, let me throw in one more. Okay. I just thought of it. And I've, I brought it up uh, to Cole this week randomly. Um, so there's Steven Soderbergh. There's a scene with the overweight, the fat guy that's in the film, and, and and he's just running up these stairs toward the end of the film and shoots himself in the face as he's trying to like Jennifer Lopez's character run up the stairs, shoots him, falls, shoots himself in the face, and I can remember when I saw that. I was so sad for the guy because he was just, you know, he he's trying to, he's a good guy to the rest of the outfit. Like he's going to, you know, uphold his position and do well. And uh, he dies by his own kind of stupidity. And, and there you go. <laughs> Ineptitude. <laughs> yep. That's that. Yeah. That's uh these are all great, great answers, and we want to hear from you. Please uh, find Preston or Cole on social media and let them know what the best death scenes are. If we missed any, I'm sure we did. Um, but, uh, but yeah, that is uh, the death scenes in movies, all perfect, all funny. Um, moving on to bloody recommendations, where we recommend a movie that a uh, horror movie that you might not have heard of or fallen through the cracks or just stuff that you might have not seen in a while that you need to remember and buy and watch. Um, so let's do these kind of quickly since we're already coming up on an hour because we're having so much fun here on our 18th episode. Oh God, there's blood everywhere mm-hmm. and alcohol. That's good. <laughs> um, so Hot water cup. 
Yes, the Water Cup. Uh, so, so Cole's real excited about, I think, the recommendation because he's texted before the podcast. like, I've got so many good bloody recommendations, but what is the best one? What is your recommendation this week, good sir? Oh, man. I had a couple days where I was able to watch some uh, films in some free time, which was very nice. Uh, so I, I, uh, I took to my trusty friend at Shudder, and I saw what was going on. Um, I love monster movies and creature features. Um, I'm super into those sort of films. Um, I did not get that fixed with the Meg, unfortunately, but Deep Blue Sea is right up my alley, for example. So the one that I chose is one that's really cool that it's available for streaming because uh, normally these are sort of hard to find for some reason. But um, Anaconda, the 1997 Jennifer Lopez vehicle with a excellent supporting performance from Mr. John Voight. Um, this, uh, this dude, Yosa, Yosa, who's Peruvian, uh, made this movie about Anaconda and Anaconda in the, in the Amazon. And, like, the cast is really awesome. Uh, it's Jennifer Lopez, Ice Cube, John Voight, Eric Stoltz, and Owen Wilson. And Jonathan Hyde, who was Cadbury and Richie Rich. Uh, yeah. Macaulay Culkin, for anybody who wants to know. Uh, and some other stuff. But you would Titanic know bastard. But Titanic, of course, of course. Um, so this is actually... So this is a, right before Titanic, actually. But um, this movie made a lot of money, but... And on like a $45 million budget. And I think it kind of got shit on pretty bad, but John Voight is doing a crazy ass performance. And I mean, just absolutely insane. And this is before Jennifer Lopez was Jennifer Lopez. Eric Stoltz was mainly sidelined. Ice Cube is good in it. And if you like that B movie stuff, um, the movie doesn't really have much substance other than just them being a documentary film crew trying to find this new. Uh, you know, land, you know, colonize. I guess they're not colonizing it, but um, they're just trying well, to film it and uh, for a documentary. And, you know, it, it ends up going wrong. The snake is huge. The CG is dated. But I think it works in a lot of ways. It has a really cool finale. Um, it has one of a moment that Preston and I talked about earlier this week as well. Um that was so cool and I think really an awesome death scene that had stuck with me. I hadn't seen it in 20 years since I think the VHS, I rented it, but Anaconda is super cool. I would say give it a shot. It's on Shudder. Um, if you like that kind of shit, it, it, it's very, very fun. Argu- arguably Ice Cube's best movie and the wink from John Voight seals the deal for me. Yes. yes. It's amazing. I want to see the sequel, so I'm going to try to get around to that as well. Sweet. Sweet and uh, Anaconda versus Lake Placid. Yes. Does that exist? That's, yeah, that's a real movie. That is a real movie. Is it like, is it, is it like an asylum movie? Yeah, I It's think so. like a Sharknado type. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. It's good stuff for sure. I watched that too. I watched Lake Placid after I watched Anaconda actually, but enough of that. <laughs> <sighs> good stuff, good stuff. Um... Preston, what is your recommendation, sir? Uh, my recommendation is, well, a couple of weeks ago, uh, we and we brought it up today, too. So the It's the Live trilogy came out through Scream Factory. There's a documentary on its filmmaker, Larry Cohen, called King Cohen. <laughs> <laughs> that uh, is currently out on VOD and will be out 
uh, late September. So I watched this, and it's a very good documentary. Um, I know Cole and I are pretty apprehensive about documentaries that are specifically made about a certain filmmaker. Um, We can be biased when it comes to somebody like Richard Linklater, who we, we love, but a lot of them tend to be like glorified DVD extras, which is what we tend to say. And this one has a little bit of that. It's it's comes with the territory. I mean, especially when you're setting up the film, it's a lot of the actors and a lot of filmmakers. Like J.J. Abrams opens the documentary, kind of talking about um, his influences, and actually got a phone call from Larry Cohen one day because when J.J. was starting out with Bad Robot. I think they were doing some kind of promotional thing on TV and he had the it's alive baby like in the background. And so Larry Cohen called JJ and said, Hey, had the baby, where'd you get it? And all this. And, and they uh, like found, they found out that they've actually met each other when JJ was like 15 at a bus stop. Uh, Larry Cohen read and, there's a lot of like just really juicy stories, um, especially from uh, Fred Williamson. So they oh. did a movie called Black Caesar together and a couple others. And um, this is where it kind of departs from being like glorified DVD extra where everybody's just tossing praise in his court. And uh, so they'll Fred Williamson will talk about like his experience uh, making a movie with him because Larry Cohen was pretty notorious being a filmmaker that would uh, do a guerrilla style. Like he would just steal a bunch of shots and wouldn't pay for, um, you know, the proper security to um, make sure that if they do a stunt, like the actors won't be hurt. Like, uh, Fred Williamson was talking about a certain scene that he did where uh, Larry Cohen wanted him to jump out of a moving car. And then Fred was like, I'm not going to do it unless you do it. So Larry jumped out of the car and said, look, easy peasy. And then he went around, Larry went around the corner. It was just like, ah, I did but didn't want to show Fred that. And so then Fred did the stunt and then was like, all right, yeah, wasn't that bad. And, um, did the same thing, went around the corner just like, ah. Um, so there's just like, and, and there's like even other parts where um, Fred will just straight up call Larry Cohen a lot. I think that's <laughs> what's great. Cause that's immediately what I was looking for in this documentary. I was like, who's going to be the person to kind of talk some shit about him, make it a more of a interesting and complex documentary. And a lot of it comes from Fred Williamson. So you can kind of get a sense that they have a complicated relationship. Cause even, uh, like one of the last films that they did together was like a movie out in the nineties that uh, Fred Williamson, I think it was called original gangsters. And uh, Fred needed a filmmaker to uh, direct this film because he couldn't land somebody. And so Larry Cohen didn't want to come out to Georgia and shoot in the heat and do all this stuff. And he had a pretty miserable doing it. provides like all this information on uh, how 
him, and then Martin Scorsese pops up, and just a bunch of people, like Eric Roberts, since they worked together in the ambulance, and uh, Tracy Lords, and Joe Dante, um, just a lot of great people just talking about their experience of working with them. But I, th- I think uh, the most sho- the most shocking thing about the entire film is just I had no idea that he would just steal a bunch of footage. A lot of the action scenes, like there's one action scene shot in one of his films with Fred Williamson where they shoot in the airport and they have fake guns. And uh, so, and they have real people just reacting to like a brawl happening inside of an airport and a gun comes out. And then uh, Larry, uh, and they would, you know, use cameras that were kind of hidden. They would hide and uh, there's, and then Larry, to run up the place where the baggage where the baggage claim is like where they shoot down and they ran ran up the ramp uh, without permission and and it's just crazy I just had no idea that that the kind of style that he embraced and um, it's just uh, it's a really good documentary so if you're interested in uh, the it's alive trilogy and the filmmaker that's behind it, and a lot of uh, he, he was actually like one of the first, the pioneers for black exploitation films, and uh, really good dramas too. And he's just like all over the place. He'll just do everything, and uh, he, he writes every day and does like twenty five pages every day, and so it's a pretty inspiring film. Uh, so that's uh, King Kong, which will be on VOD or it's on and uh, will be out on Blu-ray in September. Cool. King Cohen. Yeah. Uh, he's awesome. I, we missed that last year at Fantastic Fest. Yeah, we yeah. did, but we saw him interviewed. <laughs> he had yes, some he crazy did. fucking stories. Yes, um, he did. Yes, he did. Um, all right. My bloody recommendation this week comes from the year 1968. 1968, um, and it was a movie called The Astro Zombies. How am I not surprised? Um, so, director Ted Mickles is an 87-year-old man who has directed a ton of movies in his lifetime, mostly being low-budget uh, horror cult films uh, that probably very few people have seen. He could be compared to Ed Wood and maybe even a little bit uh, more schlocky uh, than Ed Wood was. Um, but this movie in 1968, Mickles made called Astro Zombies, which he actually got John Carradine for the film, along with Wendell Corey from Rear Window and Tura Santana from Faster Pussycat Kill Kill uh, to be in this movie. Um, some people say this is the worst film ever made. I do not. I think that uh, that worst movie ever made is reserved for a 1996 film starring David Schwimmer, but I digress. Uh, This is a case where kind of like the poster art for the movie is almost better than the film itself, but the film itself is so much fun. Astro Zombies is about kind of a mad scientist who was let go by a space program 
in retaliation, he starts making these super strong monster zombies from different body parts of innocent people he has murdered. Uh, these monsters, zombie things, break out of the lab he's created, and they raise hell on Earth, where a bunch of like groups, including the CIA, are investigating them. This sounds like an excellent film on paper. Nichols had a budget of about $30,000 to make this movie. Uh, which probably a big percentage of that went to Carradine for this. Um, I would say about 10 minutes of the movie, there's actually stuff going on. Other than that, it's like people driving, parking, and then like a nude scene uh, at a nude dance at a gentleman's club is mixed into here. But uh, this... Astro Zombies is just is super fun. Like, the, the mass of these monster zombie creatures are, like, straight out of, like, Party City that you can get down your, the local block from your house. <laughs> uh, it's pure schlock and so much fun. Uh, I think you have to see it to believe it. It's on Blu-ray. It looks excellent. The poster art is fantastic for it. Um, and not only that, if you buy this movie, I highly, highly recommend you buying this movie because there are three different commentary tracks. One of them is from the man himself, Ted Nichols, uh, which basically he just has sorts of fun discussing how great this movie is that he made and how much fun he had making it. And the other, another commentary track is from a film expert talking about it, but the best extra and worth the price of admission for this Blu-ray is that they included the riff tracks, uh, commentary from Mike Nelson, Kevin Murphy, and Bill Corbett. Yes, MST3K commentary is on this Blu-ray, and it is fantastic. It probably makes the movie that much better. Um, oh my god, this is highly recommended. Astro Zombies, look it up. Um, if you can find an original poster, I'm going to buy it. Uh, but it's only like 15 bucks or cheaper. I highly recommend this movie, because if you're a horror fan, love like the real schlocky so good it's bad movies and then you get mst3k commentary on it go this is for you this is my recommendation this week look it up i think you'll have a good time with it so yes that is the bloody recommendation this week <laughs> oh Astro all the good ones yeah all good I ones see. all from different mediums too yeah it one was, from yeah. shutter one one uh one on vod another one on blu-ray yeah, yeah. So it's um, it's quite fun. But we're we're on to our main event, our, our main event, Freddy vs. Jason. We're talking about this. This movie came out in two thousand three, and it combines Jason Voorhees and Freddy Krueger. It was directed by Ronnie Yu, who at the time was super popular. He directed Bride of Chucky, uh, and Warriors of Virtue before he came to Freddy vs. Jason. Um, after Freddy vs. Jason, he really hasn't done anything, uh, which is weird because a lot of people give this movie shit, and I think this movie is so goddamn good, um, yeah. minus like some of the actors in it, uh, but this movie had s has such a good storyline, and I think it actually might be Freddy Krueger at his most sadistic in this movie. Um, there's a lot of breaking the fourth wall a la Deadpool in it as well. Um, but, oh man, the, the kill scenes in this movie, how it was filmed in the fight scene is so amazingly produced and choreographed. 
that you finally get to see. Because in, in Freddy Krueger movies, you see him use his nightmare glove, um, like like just usually stabbing somebody once. Here, dude, he's like Wolvie Berserk style, just like slashing <laughs> people with it. And it's amazing. But first off, we've got to talk, uh, kind of talk about... Um, how we saw the movie and our expectations going into it, which kind of mine, I saw this movie when I was in college and I saw it the night before it came out in theaters with a packed house at like midnight. And it was, and my expectations were off the charts. I was like, holy shit, it's going to be the best movie ever. And after I saw it, I was like, I love this movie so much. So I was really excited for it. And seeing it with an audience who loved this at midnight was even better to watch it with. Uh, but what about you, you guys? Uh, what, what were y'all's uh, introduction to this movie? How old were you guys? Uh, I think I was uh, in. I was definitely in high school when this movie came out. Um, I, I was. I wasn't old enough to buy a ticket yet, but I snuck in, of course, which was my go-to trick for many, many years. Sometimes I got caught. So this time I did not. I got to see it, and an image um, that I will always remember from the theater was when they cut, when Freddie is breaking the fourth wall as he's opening the movie, um, the, the shot of his eyes is so good and so effective. And Ronnie Yu is such a good director for this movie, and Bride of Chucky, like, so good um, in his style choices, um, even though there are the problems that you talked about with the acting, which I get, I, well, I'm guessing we'll get into um, coming up, but... Yeah, I mean, I thought it was it was super exciting. I thought it, I thought overall, I, I think it still holds up really well as a as a horror movie, despite its problems. Like, it feels like a Freddy movie. It feels like a Friday the Thirteenth movie. It feels like a really strong crossover in terms of its storyline, which I can't believe some of the stuff that they pull off in this movie that actually works. It's really incredible in a lot of ways. And you know, I, I, this movie does get shit, and I don't. I mean, I do know why, but at the same time. You know, it could have been a hell of a lot worse. No, I agree. Impressive. Do you agree? What was? How did? When did you first see this movie? And did you do you still like it to this day? Is it to hold up for you? Uh, uh, yeah, I saw it when I was in eighth grade. Um, <laughs> and, yeah, I'm the youngest here, um, and I too snuck into it with. Uh, my rebellious friend at the time, Brandon. And so me and him, you know, paid to go see whatever kid movie came out at that time. And then we both Saturday. was at the rave, rave theater, probably uh, rave theater in uh, Corinth. And so nice. we Shouts just out. ran across the hall, watched it and just saw the one liners that Freddie has in this, which seem amped up more than any of his other films. Uh, always stuck out to me. Whenever me and him went, would go back to class, we would be like, bitch, and probably got in a lot of trouble. I was in a lot of trouble, actually. Um, but some cool things about it is when, um, you know, like later on in life, when I revisited or watched for the first time stuff like Jason Goes to Hell, where which at the very end of the film, they tease this idea of Freddie and Jason coming onto the screen together and the movie and that movie came out in 1993. So 10 years later, you finally get uh, them joining up together and the movie came out right smack middle of the summer. Uh, not, well, not in the middle it came out in August. So 
that's pretty trusting from the studio for them to do something like that um, because uh, this is the highest grossing Freddy movie and it's the highest grossing Jason movie. Yeah. And it, it, it did it made like 83 million. Well, it, at the time. Yeah. And I mean, I'm looking at the box office right now and I guess total it's made 115 million since it was released and on a $30 million budget. So that, I mean, it did very well box office, like financially. Um, and I would just imagine if that was released today, how that would go over. Um, yeah. But it's like, so how do you get Jason and Freddie into this movie? Like, what's the story? But it's a really cool story because Freddie is kind of like the puppet master here. He is the most sadistic, evil guy. And they kind of build Jason as kind of like the good guy in a way. And like Freddie, mm-hmm. it, it kind of like an army of darkness um, prologue to the movie. Um, they kind of show you what Freddie and Jason have been doing in like the past 10 movies that they've each had. And now Freddie is in hell and all the kids have forgotten him. So he is no, he doesn't have any power. He can't invade people's dreams. So he was walking around hell. Basically he found Jason Voorhees and his goal was to type in, tap into Jason Voorhees dream, pretend to be his mother and tell that Jay, tell him that Jason himself has to get out of the grave and go start um, killing people. So that would bring back memory. So Freddie could come back and start his reign of terror again. So when this happens, kind of Freddie doesn't have really any power over anybody. And he kind of like talks to the camera as like, Oh, you know, wait and see just a couple more kills basically. (laughs) And then all of a sudden Freddie's real and uh, Jason and Freddie square off in at Camp Crystal Lake in an excellent fight scene. But just how the, the story's told um, mm-hmm. and how the kids are trying to, like, forget and not forget and who can you trust. Uh, it's, it's actually kind of genius when you think about it, uh, despite some it of the character choices. Because, like, in the movie, there's, like, a Jay and Silent Bob character, like, complete ripoff. <laughs> And totally. uh, some of the acting's terrible, but then but then you see like these old like nostalgic things of like old Freddy and Jason movies, and it just it works. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, what what do you guys think? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I definitely think that. I mean, it's nice to have little nods in there to like Weston Hills for you know Dream Warriors, and um, I really like all the stuff with Jason Ritter's character who is at the mental institution from dream warriors or, and or will. Yeah. So and, um, there's really good death scenes in this. Um, if I could knock the movie some, uh, so the soundtrack is very much of the early two thousands kills switch engage in a lot of the moments, especially the moment that we get, you know, in Freddy's little, uh, warehouse thing. And then, you, you know, you see like little Jason in it and him terrorize and Freddie kind of terrorizing him. And when, once, uh, Jason like gets his power after he's, you know, out of his weakened state, they play like rock music and it feels so much like wrestling because they'll just do like dur, 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 dur. <laughs> and it's so funny um so yeah 
it's it, it holds up really well. It's a smart movie. Uh, I know that they went through like 17 drafts or like 17 scripts were submitted for this, and you can still feel like some of the issues. It feels clunky in some areas, um, but the 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 general storyline holds up really well, and the fight scene that we that we should talk about. Yeah, so uh, in greater detail. Yeah, the 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 big climactic fight scene between Freddie Jason, um, it does start out with like that heavy metal rock music, like Donna, and like Freddie realizes Jason's real Donna, and then like they're square off, and there's like a line of fire between them, and they really just start going at it, um, and this is where you see Freddy Krueger's finger gloves, like not just one time in the stomach or a slash to the face. This dude, this Freddy Krueger uses his knives all over the place, just constantly, multiple times stabbing in all locations. It is a bloody as shit film. Uh, Cole, can you elaborate on this fight scene a little bit? Well, yeah, the, the one moment that always sticks out to me is like, is like towards the end of it um, when... So what what ends up happening is Freddie gets Jason's um, his machete, okay, and he's like jamming it through. He's like jamming it through Jason, but at one point Jason like turns it in on him, and you can like feel it going into Freddie, and you can hear like the foley work that they're using, and like Freddie's like black blood is like coming up, and he's just like ah, like making this like terrible noise, rats retching, and as Jason's like. I think he's jamming his own Freddie's own arm. No, into, yeah, like, yeah. I think that Jason, like, with one hand, punch it, pushes his own hand through Freddie's like side of his body, and then yeah, with the other something. arm, rips his arm off. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's great. It's amazing. Um, but like the way the way we get there is what so is what's so fun because it starts off. Where I think like Ron Yu does really well, aside from the acting stuff, is like he makes it start off like a Friday the Thirteenth movie. He Jason's outside the house, and there's a bunch of teens out there, and they're having sex and drinking beer, and there's boobs and all those standard tropes going on. And you know, at first they're trying to figure out who's committing these murders and, and whatnot, and they don't really know why. And there's all these dynamics going on with the characters that um, some some work and like. Other, most of them don't. Like, the main one that's, like, really annoying to me is they had Catherine Isbell, who was in Ginger Snaps, which is, like, one of the best, like, horror characterizations of, you know, of maybe ever. It's so great. It's just the way that it does. I'm not saying it is the best, but it, it's up there. It's, it's really fantastic. And she's, like, wasted in the movie completely. She just wears a baseball cap, sleeps with an asshole, this asshole guy who has an amazing death scene, but with mm-hmm. the bed, by the way, like that the movie if not the best I, yeah. it's so fucking yeah. it's so fucking brutal because yeah, everything else is like slashes and yeah, at least that nice. one brings some creativity to it because Freddy has always had the most interesting death scenes yeah. um, in his films and and when we get that montage really early on and you even think about that you're like man he just had you know coming out of a guy's chest swallowing somebody 
Roach Motel. <laughs> and there's there's like a taste of that in here, but there's not enough. And I know me and Cole oh. joked before we recorded this podcast that Freddie only gets like one kill in this entire movie. Right. And he's like more of the Charles Manson, this entire thing, <laughs> uh, just orchestrating um, uh, Jason to do all these kills. And then that's when it gets kind of funny because uh, uh, he has like stop eating and uh, and then, yeah, uh, you can continue going with uh, the things that don't work. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. yeah, I mean, like, with her, like, she doesn't do anything, and she's, like, an awesome, like, actor, and she was, like, really popular at the time, horror especially, and, you know, her death, you know, is, is pretty, it's pretty lame, like, she's about to get, like, like, essentially raped, she's getting raped by this guy who looks like the lead singer of Power Man 5, with all these, like, glow sticks on him, and... Joel Schumacher, they, glow stick party. <laughs> exactly, and so Jason comes in and just like stabs both of them, and it's just this lame kill. And yeah. it's like it's, really it's cool a lame it's a lame kill, but it's a cool idea of yeah. uh, Freddie thinking that he's going to get this. He's finally going to be able to kill, and then that that's going to be stone to uh, uh, you know be able to kill people again, and he's completely right. robbed of it. Right. So and he's like, oh my children. These are yeah. mine! And it's like this awesome yeah. shot. And that's that why he wants to kill Jason. That's when that comes out. <laughs> right. Yeah. He gets pissed, man. But it's like, so is it like saying that like Jason has a moral compass? Does the movie have a moral compass? Because this guy's getting killed because of his actions? Because it's pretty gross. Honestly. I don't know if it's, it's really, a moral compass, but it definitely builds Freddy Krueger as like the the evil, sadistic one out of the For two. For sure. Which is great. And like... The, yeah, he, like, catches on fire later in that scene, um, you know, and it's a really cool shot of him running through cornfields. He just starts, like, flashing all these people, and it's, like, so fucking lame, and there's really nothing to it, and it just seems like they didn't really know how to orchestrate it, um, but, you know, it, it, it's, it's one of the most disappointing parts of the movie in terms of uh, the way it's bridging everything, but to effectively, you know, make these two franchises coming to one, um, using that kill in that way still, you know, has a purpose. It just wasn't very like visceral. And that's my, my biggest complaint is, you know, some of that. And then just some of these characters, man, like Kelly Rowland is just like so mean spirited in this movie. Oh, she's like, awful. It, oh, awful. She awful. should be so embarrassed of this role. Yeah, she that. has the worst it's, line of the entire film. Horrible. Horrible. Um, but what, then Freddie has a pretty bad one too right before it. Yeah. yeah, the whole uh, dark. He says a dark meat. Oh yeah, joke. Dark, meat. And then, a dark meat to her. But then, yeah. she, then she says that Freddie looks like a faggot wearing a sweater. Yeah, yeah. That that was that was pre that that wasn't our our current times though, which is still fun because I I watched that movie today again. And I still crack up every time um, w- during the fight scene between Freddy and Jason when hey, Freddy hey, has. Yeah, hey asshole! That is exactly <laughs> right. God damn that that line still cracks me up. <laughs> Robert Englund, this is one of his best performances as Freddy. Honestly, like oh, it yeah. is just so so nuanced, and he does so much with it, and he just 
chewing it up and the makeup was fantastic in it. Like all the effects were really good. Um, and you know, and just, he's really, you can tell, man, he's really put himself in there more than, you know, I talked about, I'm going to go watch three, four and five later this week, you know, as those drone on. And even though they're solid, this just feels even more so than new nightmare, his performance, he's, the, the character's so rich. I mean, it really is, even though it can be stale at times, and I understand that. Um, there's still a lot that can be done. And seeing Robert England's beginning of this movie as well, very effective scene, the way he licks that picture and puts it on there. Oh, my God, terrifying. Yeah, Nightmare Fuel. Man. It is so good. Very good. Good horror, man. Damn good horror. And, um, you know, in the way that it... You know, the way that it blends them, man, I, I really I really like it. Aside from the acting stuff that's going on, um, I, I think the movie does really well uh, overall. I, I mean, surprisingly, it, it holds up. And, and it's of its time, and that's okay. That's fine. The music is terrible. That new metal crap is just does not hold up well. No, it does not. Especially the very, very end of the film, you know, when you get the last shot of Freddy's right. head and he's doing the wink. And then they do the, and then they do the Freddy Cougar, Cougar theme, and then uh, and then just like within two seconds, boom, playing Kill Switch Engage or something like that. It is pretty. Oh, fun. Also, one other, one other thing that I was thinking about is like what I think is ridiculous is like the way that Jason like hits people, like when he hits them, they just go flying like they're in like Infinity War or some shit. Like they just go. <laughs> it's true like they go through walls basically they like fly like 30 feet back but that's how i guess they're building him as like this super strong dude that just doesn't work i mean it's not realistic for a viewer you know like what is what is realistic for a viewer is like a really good jason kills i rewatched the friday 13th remake and he like holds a woman over like a fire while she's burning up in a sleeping bag um and like that to me is like really scary and real, if we're going to do that, it was kind of Jason Kills. Um, yeah. Rather than just like, well, nothing oh, about this movie is scary to me. Oh, right. No, no it's not. No, I guess because, it's not. Because, yeah, right, right from the get-go, you're getting into Freddy Krueger's uh, holiday oh, and right. his whole plan. And so it, that just removes the scariness right from the start. Because normally, you know, you follow the kid from the start, and then that—that's what right. makes those movies work. Is the the kids have to work, and then here it, it's like you know it's fine, um, but that's not the strongest part of it. Right, because we start to follow Monica Keena's character like fifteen twenty minutes in um, after the sleepover, um, after that guy Blake is trying to sleep with her, and then he yells at his dad in like the funniest like impression. He's yeah. like, He's like, Dad, give me some fucking space, My best friend just died. I need some space, man. I need a drink, bro. And then he gets killed. And then I think his dad gets killed. You best watch yourself, boy. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, that's what he says. But then he waits. When... So people fall asleep very easily in this. um, Especially, like, right after somebody is just murdered. Right, you're tired. Yeah, you're exhausted. Monica, like, falls asleep in the the police station. And then... Uh, his best friend falls asleep on a tray. The guy that's killed and folded like a lawn chair. Um, he, uh, his, his dad's killed. And so when he wakes up from the dream world, 
Um, he sees his dad and his dad's just staying there stiff. And then his head just pops off like a Jack in the box and blood starts squirting. But I just, man, I laugh every time I see that head just uh, pop. That's what pop like Ronnie does. It's like, I just can't imagine it had to been like, th- there's a easy way to kind of take a Deadpool approach with this, like even more so, um, like just cleanly cutting his step, his dad's head. And I just can't imagine like him doing that suit. Clean and then just stay as he instantly wakes up to see that it just pops off like magic and then squirts everywhere. This movie is magic. This movie is magic. Um, Rodney, you man, he's awesome. Like that's what like you were talking about. Like it's not scary and like Brian and Chucky's so good as well. Yeah, uh, you know he really makes them fun. He makes these films fun and and I think like of their time. And I think, you know, still hold up in a lot of ways. And it's kind of a bummer that he didn't do a couple more of these. Yeah. Uh, or Warriors of Virtue too. Yeah. I'll, I'll pass. I loved that movie when I was a kid. But yeah, Freddy vs. <laughs> Jason, man, if you haven't seen this, it is super fun if you like these franchises. And, I just, you know, you hope that you see, like, a sequel to this at some point. I just don't think it's going to happen, like, anytime soon. Uh, I mean, you never say never, but... Uh, I would like to do this, but it's going to be hard or difficult to because I don't think um, Robert England would play Freddy again, which he nope. would need to. No. You know. You need to bring in Kevin Bacon. <laughs> oh, Kevin Bacon. He would be awesome. <laughs> or just get Jackie Earl Haley back. How about this for a wet dream? Oh, God. <laughs> that movie was such a piece of shit, right? Yes, it was. Oh, yeah. Yes, it was. But the Friday the 13th remake is pretty good, right? Yeah. It's pretty solid. I, I rewatched it a little bit this past week. I fell asleep, but that's all I was like, <laughs> But it's good, though. <laughs> I, dude, I, I'm, a, I'm a sleepy boy, okay? I'm a sleepy boy, so I uh, always fall asleep. Mm. Um, but, yeah, man, I was like, man, this is pretty solid stuff, you know? Um, so, I mean, it all, these guys, like Jason and Freddie. They always just feel so close to our hearts, don't they? I feel like there's always, like, a warm place to think about these movies, and they always just seem relevant for some reason. I don't know why. Well, because they tackle Um, a bunch of, like, the stuff we grew up with, drugs, alcohol, sleeping with people. You know, it's it's all stuff we kind of went through, uh, and it's just fun. I can't tell you how many encounters I've had with women where they just, just take off their tops and just dive into the water. Yeah, it happens constantly. <laughs> or, or if it's sleepaway camp, a bunch of dudes that don't that just decide to go jump in the the water. Well, together. well, they try to get the girls to jump in the water, and they say no. Right. So they're like, "Fuck it, we're gonna do it ourselves, no matter what. Let's all get naked, dog <laughs> pile, sword fight, sword fight." <laughs> Those guys, that movie's so good. It's so fucking good. It, it is. It um, is. It's but, so great. But I um, think. Oh, go ahead. You had something else? Uh, yeah, man. This one, this one is just cool, man. I, I don't know. It just feels good to still enjoy it and yeah, watch it, talk about it, and breathe life into it as we want to bring breathe life into Freddy into our hearts as always. <laughs> Freddy versus Jason. Seek it out. Um, before Freddy versus Jason, Dawn of Injustice. <laughs> yeah, Freddy versus Jason. Much better versus Freddy. Freddy v Jason into darkness. <laughs> <laughs> they both realize at the end that their moms are named Martha. Yes. Um, 
Before we end this 18th episode of my bloody podcast, we have to tease next week's episode. Preston, what will next week's episode be? God, I sure hope it's 1996's Scream. I believe it's going to be 1996's Scream. Wes Craven uh, redefining the horror movement in 1996 uh, with Scream. Super fun movie. We'll be talking about that next week. Um, But yeah, my bloody podcast number 18. We're we're barely legal, but legal finally. And uh, (laughs) we are on iTunes and Stitcher Radio. Please subscribe. And we want to thank... Our our bestest friend, our most sadistic f- friend, our maniac <laughs> cop, two man beast friend dog badass Cole. Thanks for joining us. Cole Cobretti Clay, James <laughs> Cole Cobretti Clay. Hell yes. Where can they find you? Um, you can find me on uh, Twitter where I. Semi do stuff. Twitter is kind of a stressful place, so I stay away. Uh, but it's at Words by Cole, and uh, I will be doing some coverage at TIFF in a couple weeks. So I'll have a Halloween review, which I'm excited to go see, big time. Excited to go see. Uh, that's coming up. But for right now, I'm laying I'm laying low while I uh, wrap up for that. But I'm always at FreshFiction.tv. Got backlog of reviews, some horror stuff. Um, that's it. Cool. And Preston. What about you? I am at freshfiction.tv as well, where I'm the features editor. And I'm also on the Ditton Record Chronicle, which is dittonrc.com, where I do weekly reviews and Blu-ray reviews and things of that nature. Got some cool stuff up there this week. And I got a lot of stuff that's going to be going up next week. Badass. And I'm Brian Kluger. You can find me at boomstickcomics.com and highdefdigest.com, as well as YouTube with a series of interviews and video movie reviews to tickle your fancy. Uh, Yeah, my bloody podcast, iTunes, Stitcher Radio. Look for it. It's so much fun. And we'll be back uh, next week with Scream, and hopefully uh, Cole will join us in the future for another episode. Indeed, we will be talking crazy shit. <laughs> yes, we will. And, and we will all for certainly be together at Fantastic Fest uh, doing oh, yeah. all sorts of recordings. So Doing the things that we love the most besides our love. Besides each other. <laughs> Jesus. Jesus. Passion of the Christ and now this. Where do we go? Um... <laughs> Uh, I love you guys. We love you, audience. Until next time, keep it scary.